0: Okay, good morning everyone, we've uh, arrived at the self-discipline session, I looking forward to that, I don't know if you noticed that both uh, Matt and Pete both uh, started their talks by saying they were really glad that they weren't doing the self-discipline session, they were doing power and love instead, um, and I think it would only be right in the spirit of Christian love and accountability to ask both of them why they wanted to avoid the self-discipline one. Um to see if you can help them with their self-discipline. So it's obviously fallen to me. to be, And obviously this is a good idea because I've got this one down. I've got self-discipline nailed. Uh, so here I am to share of the fruit of my wisdom.
1: <laughs>
0: so this is our verse for the year. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love and of self-control or self-discipline. The spirit God has given us, the moment you said yes to Jesus, the moment you opened the door to Jesus into your life, you became a person with tremendous potential and capacity for courage, for power, for love, and for self-discipline. Now, you may say to me, Well, that's not a very accurate description of my life. I don't always feel overflowing with courage and power and love and self-discipline. You may say, I'm always anxious and fearful. And this verse would say, yes, but you have a courageous spirit. You may say, but I pray for people, for healing, and often nothing seems to happen. Yes, but you do have a spirit of power. You may say that I run out of patience with my kids, and I find it really easy to overlook suffering when I see it. Yes, but you have a spirit of incredible love. You may say, but I know the person that God has called me to be. I know what is good for me, but I get distracted all the times. And I find that it's easy to give in to my pleasures whenever they catch my eye. Yes, yes. But you have an incredible spirit of self-discipline. You may say, what on earth are you talking about? How can both things be true? Because one is the voice of a struggling Christian, and the other is the voice of the Spirit of God. You are not the Holy Spirit. You and the Holy Spirit are different. And yet you have the Holy Spirit living within your life. problem that many of us have in the Christian world is that we receive this priceless gift of the Holy Spirit. And we allow God to bless us at the beginning of our Christian walk. And often this is an incredible time, a beautiful time of feeling God's presence, feeling empowered, feeling uh, the, the hard things of our life begin to drop away. But then after a short period of time we start to go it alone. We start to operate without the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we crack on with life without Him. We find ourselves battling with the same fears, an inability to change anything, a limited love supply, and the same lack of self-control. And we wind up frustrated and wondering why we feel like slightly rubbish Christians. That can happen. I'm not saying that's the, the, the story for absolutely everybody on the planet, but that can happen so easily for those of us who are seeking to live a Christian life. And then to make it worse, just when you're in that point where you think, I'm not doing very well at the moment, I don't feel like much of an inspirational Christian, Uh, it's at those points where you'll come across a superhero Christian, someone who's who's really got it all together. You know, you see the Justin Welbies or the Nicky Gumbles, Jackie Pullinger, Bill Johnson, John Mark Comer, Mother Teresa, and you see the courage in them. And you can see the power in their lives. You can see the love that is permeating everything they do. And their incredible self-discipline. And you think, they must have something that I don't. They must have something. Some special quality that somehow has escaped me. But you know what, that's not true. And it's not biblical. There's only one thing that separates strong Christians from the weak ones. And that is simply a commitment to walk in this gift that God has given us of the Holy Spirit. To walk not by personal strength and ability, but by His grace, day in, day out. That is what makes the difference. So focusing on our subject today of self-discipline. Do you know the difference between your natural self-discipline and Holy Spirit-given self-discipline? Holy Spirit self, self-discipline actually works, doesn't it? That, that's the main difference. You are infinitely more likely to rule over your addictions, stick to healthy lifestyles, and pursue your God-given goals if you're intentionally pr- praying for His help and if you develop a habit of welcoming the Lord into a- any and every decision, however big or small. Now, it can take a, a, a lifetime to develop this habit of involving the Holy Spirit into your daily decisions and I'm, I haven't got this down. Uh, I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at remembering that the Holy Spirit is with me. I'm getting better at, at having those moments in the day where I just quietly ask for help because that's basically what this boils down to. It's basically have, remembering that you're not alone in any situation and just saying help throughout the day. That's what it looks like and it continually moves me that God is willing to respond to my simple request for him to come and help. Slowly getting better at this. I'm, I, I'm not there by any means, but I'm definitely better than i was. And I think some of that comes through, through need. I just know I'm in a position so often where I can't do anything about the situation or I feel like I'm too weak for it, so I ask for help. But while we cultivate that habit of involving the Holy Spirit in our day to day decisions, there are three ways that I want to share with you this morning that I believe the Holy Spirit can help you to walk in Holy Spirit self discipline. Okay? So these are they a clear vision of the person you are called to be, number one, strong conviction in your heart, number two, and and continual wake up calls. Continual wake-up calls, that's number three. So we're going to look at each of those in turn. But before I do that, I just want to challenge the myth uh, that self-discipline is the painful and uh, harsh alternative to an easy and comfortable life. It isn't. Self-discipline is not the painful, harsh alternative to a comfortable life. It's just not true. You have to pick your pain. Life is hard anyway. This is a real help to embracing the self-discipline that God's going to give you. Life is going to be hard anyway. It's going to be painful, one way or another. This is not always the message that people want to hear. But trust me, if, if you can embrace it, you should. I've got a great Bible app on my phone. Hands up, who uses version? There's a few of you. There's, this is a hot tip. Okay, If, if you want to get into your Bible, version is a great app. You've got great reading plans on there. There's great study guides. You've got a number of different translations. It's brilliant. It's the best one I've come across so far. And just recently, I worked for a reading plan by Jennifer McAllister called Press On. And uh, it was brilliant. Now, she's a runner. But... She explains this idea that there is no such thing as a pain-free life. And she explains it really well. So I'm going to share with you the devotion that uh, was on day one of the reading plan, Pick Your Pain, by Jennifer McAllister. And it says this, Pick your pain is something I say to myself every day. On this side of eternity, we all suffer from some form of pain exercise-induced or non-exercise-induced. For me, the aching feet and the sore muscles after a long run are a small price to pay for the health benefits gained from exercising. If you are inactive, you may not experience this, but you could very possibly suffer from the consequences of a sedentary lifestyle, obesity, heart disease and high blood pressure, just to name a few. This pain is far more dangerous, so we we should choose the pain that provides a better alternative. Pick your pain doesn't just apply to the running world, but also to society as a whole. If everyone understood that there is no such thing as a pain-free route in life, we wouldn't have the entitlement mentality that is becoming more and more prevalent in today's world. Starting a business is hard. Getting an education takes discipline. (coughs) Being a good parent takes endurance and patience. Achieving goals takes commitment. But oh, the reward is so great, and a desire realized is sweet to the soul. That's in Proverbs. The road to success, happiness, and fulfillment is the road less traveled, because it's the hardest route route to take. Only those who understand the consequences of the alternative dare to set foot on this path. It can be hot, hilly, and at times treacherous. Ironically, those on this journey are happier than their flatland counterparts who choose the seemingly easier route. They've come to realize that there is joy in the midst of pain. They have learned that faith, hope, goals, dreams, and purpose provide enough strength to put one foot in front of the other, and the journey becomes an adventure. What the easy road travelers don't understand is that a pain-free life doesn't exist. The more they try to avoid doing hard things, the harder their lives become. The Bible reminds us that there is profit in all labor, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Profit is the reward for labor. Poverty is the reward of trying to avoid pain. I feel so sorry for those who take this path because they'll never know the joys of accomplishment or the reward of hard work. When you wake up tomorrow morning, you will have a decision to make. My advice to you is to pick your pain. That's great writing, isn't it? Brilliant. Is that helpful? Yes. I think this is really motivating. There is no easy option. It doesn't exist. You might as well pick the one that offers most joy and freedom in the long run. I try to run five kilometres every weekday in the morning. But I really don't particularly like running. There are bits I do like. I, I like watching the season change. I like being out there seeing how that amazing river path between um, my home and Dartington Cider Press Centre just changes beautifully throughout the year. It's constantly moving and changing. It's really lovely. I love playing Spot the Heron because um, he's in different places every day and I, I love it saying good morning to the heron every morning. Um, I love being out with my dog. Um, I love the way my dog knows exactly where I am and keeps coming back to me uh, and will stop for cars and things like that. I enjoy the time with him. And I really like saying uh, hello to the regulars because they're on the same path at the same time each morning and I sort of tip my hat or my beanie or whatever it is I'm wearing. Um, to the people that are coming along the road. And I really enjoy those little interactions. But do I enjoy the running? Nah, not really. Not really, not at all. I'm not a runner. I'm not like Sam over here, who's a bit of a Mo Farah. Um, I'm not like Phil Watson, who's uh, a marathon runner. I'm not like that at all. It's painful. It's probably more painful to watch than it is for me to do. (laughs) But you know what? The reason why I run is because it's slightly less painful than not running, (laughs) if I'm honest. If I haven't run for a while, I feel my energy levels drop, I'm less focused, I feel a bit lardy and knackered and slow, and worse than that, I notice that when I've been less active, sometimes I have a bit of a problem with back pain, I have a lower back issue that when I've been sat on my backside for too many days and not doing enough exercise, it begins to flare up. And I've noticed that it flares up more when I'm not running than when I am. So literally, I have to pick my pain of hauling my backside out there and uh, dragging myself up the river path or suffering in the opposite way. I either choose 24-7 feeling like a tired, invalid slug. Or half an hour a day on that river path feeling like a determined asthmatic bear? (laughs) I have to make my choice between the two. (laughs) The same goes for anything. Do you choose the pain of setting your alarm early and getting out of your (coughs) really warm bed to spend some time in prayer and reading your Bible? Or do you choose the pain of feeling distant from God With little growth in character or hardly any answers to prayer. Just sort of drifting. Pick your pain. If gambling is a problem for you, do you choose the pain of never having that endorphin rush? Again, never setting foot in the bookies or downloading a betting app or struggling with the boredom of not gambling? Or do you choose the pain of losing all your money, your pride and your most significant relationships? You have to choose your pain. Does that make sense? We all have to pick our pain. We all have different things that we need to work through. I'm not trying to oversimplify any of these issues. I'm simply trying to say that there, there is never an option between a hard road and an easy road. Life is hard. Life is difficult. And we've got to make choices about how we tackle that one way or another there is no pain-free route the enemy would love to have us believe that the road of temptation and self-indulgence is easier but it just isn't the more you try and avoid pain and hard work uh, pain and the hard work of self-discipline the harder and more miserable your life becomes ultimately are you with me am i selling it so the Spirit helps us. He doesn't leave us struggling with making these choices on our own. He straps a power pack to our feeble self-discipline. And he makes us strong. And one way he does that is to give us a clear goal. He gives us vision. Some sort of aspiration or vision of who he has created you to be. I don't know if you have any role models, if you have any people that you aspire to be like. Just have a think for a moment. Who are your, your heroes? I've got a whole list of them. I keep bringing them out from time to time in my preachers. But I've got probably a hundred heroes uh, of different kinds. And I, and I admire people uh, for different reasons. There's things that I see in certain people and I think, that there's something about your life that I'm, I'm, I'm hungry for. There's something that I, about the way you've lived that I want to live. There's something about who you are that I want to be. And often I, I spend time listening to people who are in their autumn years. Um, and they've lived really, really well. And I think, man, if I could get to your point of life and have lived the way you've lived, I would be such a happy man. And some of you are here in this room. We need great role models. They help us to, they inform the vision that the Holy Spirit would have us hold of who we're called to be. And then we need to make priorities. What are my priorities? Well, I want to have lived my life as an authentic friend of God. Not someone that just talks about God, but someone that knows God really well. I wanna be a, a, a devoted husband. Maybe it's a great aspiration to have. I want to be a a devoted husband or wife. Or committed father or mother. I want to be a godly leader. A loyal friend. Whatever it may be. What is your priorities? He may give you a glimpse of the kind of legacy you want to leave behind at the end of your life. What kind of things do you want to leave to the next generation? Well, I want to leave a legacy. I want to leave the world with a stronger worshipping community than the world that I was born into. I want to have lived my life having enjoyed a wonderful marriage to Mary and have been a constantly devoted husband, a faithful father. I want to be someone who is open to the prophetic voice of God and obedient to his voice. I want to be a firebrand To ignite faith in my children and (coughs) grandchildren and, God willing, my great-grandchildren. If I can do all those things and leave that legacy, I will have done all that I was born to do. But I'm not going to be able to do that if I eat and drink whatever I like, if I watch whatever I like, if I do whatever I like, if I forego prayer and study and exercise, etc. If I exercise no self-discipline, I'm not going to be able to be that person. So let me ask you this morning, what are the things that you want to see well-established when you sit in prayer with the Lord in the last year of your life? Imagine you know it's your final year and you're sitting in prayer with the Lord and you're looking back over your life. What are the things that you want to be able to acknowledge with the Lord that you've seen established in your lifetime? Because that will inform the choices you have to make in the present. That will help you to live intentionally day to day today, as you move towards being that person at the end of your life. You're much more likely to choose the right way today if you know where you want to be tomorrow.
1: Amen.
0: And Jesus modelled how far this can take you. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says this, For the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God." How did Jesus say no to the easier route? And the devil was great at at offering an easier route to Jesus. How did he say no to the easier route and go through the agony of the cross? Because his eyes were set on the joy that was on the other side of the cross. He had a clear vision of what would be gained. If he chose the hard path, he could see us being one and brought home. He could see himself seated at God's right hand in glory, watching his lost sons and daughters returning. The pain of the cross was less than the pain of living without you and me. Isn't that incredible? Jesus considered the pain of living without us and he said, no, I'm going the cross way. He chose his pain. So that's the first thing. Who are you called to be? Where are your eyes fixed in this life? The Holy Spirit that you do have within you as a gift will give you the vision of who you're called to be if you ask Him. And it will be for you like a huge concrete foundation upon which you can build strong self discipline. If you've got a clear aim, It makes all the difference. Second thing, the Holy Spirit helps us with conviction. It's all good having a dream of who we would like to be. But it's another thing to believe we can become that person that God has called us to be. To genuinely have a deep belief in our hearts that we can be that person. And we hold that vision as the most important thing day to day. It becomes a passion that we can draw from. So conviction, well in the Oxford Dictionary, it means a firmly held <coughs> belief or opinion. It's hard to maintain a- any self-discipline <coughs> unless you believe, one, that it's possible, and two, that it's of vital importance. You need strong convictions about those two things if you're going to turn your, your God-given dream into a daily reality. So, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That word conviction there is elegchos. I don't even know if I've pronounced that right. Just say it confidently. Electros. That's what it is. And it means proof. I really like that. It means proof. The Holy Spirit gives us faith for what we hope for. And this conviction that grows strong within us is all the proof we need that God is taking us somewhere wonderful. This, as the Holy Spirit imparts conviction into your life and you realize you have a passion to get where you're going. That in itself is evidence and proof that, of the place that God is calling you to. You think, well, God wouldn't be calling me there if I didn't have this passionate work in my life. Does that make sense? The Holy Spirit can give you a passion, a conviction, an ability to hold where you're going as the most important thing. And that conviction can inform your moment-to-moment choices and make sure that you're heading in the right direction. Say no to the things that are unhelpful and yes to the things that you absolutely need to do to get there. You need Holy Spirit conviction. And there's something that he's given us as a gift. If you're not feeling that in your life right now, it's something you can pray for and ask for this week. God, give me conviction. Not just about where I'm going, but about how I can move towards it and about the strength that I have to go there. I don't want to be a weak-willed, double-minded person all the time. I want to be surprised by the conviction that the Holy Spirit fires up within me. Does that sound good? It sounds like God to me. My will alone is not going to do that. We need this gift. So pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit in order to keep going where we're going. Finally, wake-up calls. Does anyone already know what I mean by this?
1: Yeah.
0: The Holy Spirit gives us wake-up calls. It's like a prod in the side or an alarm clock that goes off in your heart when you're starting to veer off course. Now, I... I encounter this quite often. I do quite a bit of fasting. You may not believe it to look at me, but I do. Uh, and I sometimes do periods of extended fasting. And sometimes when I'm doing a, a good few days, maybe a week or 10 days or something like that or longer, uh, because this is something I feel God has called me to do, I sometimes forget that I'm supposed to be fasting. And uh, One of the worst times that I forget that I'm supposed to be fasting is when I'm making the kids' packed lunches. It's it's like dangerous territory for me. Because when you're making the kids' packed lunches, normally there's a little bit of cheese that falls off the side or something. And it's in before I even know it's there. Uh, And uh, (laughs) the Holy Spirit gives me a prod in the side. Hey, we're fasting today, right? I'm like, whoa, yeah. And I'll actually spit it out, usually because I think it's a slippery slope. Otherwise, it's a bit of cheese and then a bit of ham and then all a bit of bread as well and all of a sudden I've had a sandwich. <laughs> and that's, that's never going to be helpful if you're fasting. So the Holy Spirit gives me a jab in the ribs and reminds me. The Holy Spirit will do that for you. If you have intended to do something with God, if you have set boundaries with God in your life, whatever it may be, to do something or to not do something, When you're just wandering off that course, the Holy Spirit can go off in your heart like an alarm clock and remind you that you had intended (coughs) to do something. I don't know what I'd do without a jab in the ribs from the Holy Spirit from time to time. And actually, it's very important for all of us, regardless of what we're facing. There's a great verse that goes along with this, Galatians 5, 16-19. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Walk by the Spirit. That means every day be attentive to the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit says, no, this way and not that way... You've got an opportunity. You've got a split second to make a decision. Am I gonna walk by the Spirit, or am I gonna go my own way? So when we walk by the Spirit, He will stop us from doing the things that our flesh wants to do, and that are not good for us. Okay, this is particularly important for people who are trying to break some sort of addiction. Take something like pornography. It's not one of my issues, but it's an issue for a lot of people identify when you are most vulnerable and take steps to stay well clear. You'll know when you, at the moments when you feel most vulnerable and it's that at those moments you can take steps to say stay well clear and when you feel like you're getting close and the Holy Spirit gives you a jab in the ribs to say you're getting close, you've got that opportunity at that moment to catch yourself and to move in another direction. It's the same with any addiction. When you get close to your area of temptation, ask God to prod you in the ribs when you're about to compromise and see it as an opportunity to operate in your Holy Spirit (coughs) self-discipline. Those are not just moments to try and be strong. They are moments to draw near to God and ask the Holy Spirit to well up within you, whatever it is. Feel the smile of God as you choose to walk with the Holy Spirit feel the roar of heaven the celebrating crowd it says there is a great crowd of witnesses that are watching you, cheering you on (coughs) wanting you to throw off those things that easily entangle you and instead run your race to glory feel the roar of the crowd of heaven every time you respond to that jab in the ribs or that alarm clock that goes off in your heart and you choose the way of holiness you're not alone We are rooting for one another here in this life, but there is a heaven that is rooting for us as well. Amen? Amen. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. Let's pray. Father, we... We come to you acknowledging our weakness, but we also want to acknowledge your great strength. We acknowledge, Lord, that we can't do what you've called us to do or be who you've called us to be in and of our own strength. But Lord, we don't want to stop there. We want to be those who acknowledge the incredible power and strength that is at work within us and learn to draw from you on a day-by-day basis. Lord, would you help us to choose the necessary pain to be the people that you've called us to be. Lord, give us powerful conviction to live within those predetermined boundaries that we've set with you and to stick with those. (coughs) And God, would you give us the wake-up calls that we need when we're close to compromise? Would you bring us back on track and show us just how passionate you are To walk with us towards that goal that you've given us. Lord, we ask these things in the name of Jesus and by the power of your spirit. Amen.